Hello and welcome to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. At Emmanuel Croydon, we exist to be a community drawn together by our desire to know and follow Jesus. We long to become disciples of Jesus who are equipped to serve him in the whole of life, transforming families, communities and workplaces as we love God with heart, mind, soul and strength. We hope you enjoy this week's talk from the evening service. Thank you for joining us today. Grace and peace to you. Thank you so much, David. And uh, good evening, everyone. It's lovely to see you all. Um, If it's for the um, nth time this week, thank you for all that you've been doing in preparing and leading things Uh, This week, if it's for the first time today, it's wonderful to see you as well, and I wish you a happy Easter. I want to spend just a few minutes thinking about what the resurrection means. Yesterday, um, I was with the family down on the south coast, and um, uh, we looked out this wonderful, huge blue sea, and it stretches as far as you can see in southwards and pretty much sort of southeast and southwest. You look at all of that, and it's a little bit like the resurrection. How, where do I start? Where do I even go in 10 minutes uh, trying to encapsulate all that it is? But if I look down a little bit, there was my uh, fourth child, Imogen, at three and a half years old, just walking into the shallows. We're going to spend a few minutes in the shallows, uh, knowing that it's worth going in there, even just for a little bit. Um, And I invite you to spend some more time over these coming weeks thinking deeper and perhaps with this passage open to encourage you. I want to think about the cosmic picture and the personal picture of the resurrection. The cosmic picture, first of all. Remember when you were in uh, physics lessons and uh, you got talking about the solar system and, you know, there was all this business about the planets going round and in the middle was the sun. The resurrection is a cosmic picture. It's a a reordering of the whole cosmos. There's a new revealing of who is at the center of all of existence. And that's where this chapter finishes. So if you you want to keep your Bibles open, page 1183, that'll be a great help. We'll find Ephesians 1 um, uh, on your device. Uh, you'll, You'll be helped by just following along. Verse 20 just before, Paul talks about how that power is like the working of his mighty strength, which God exerted in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every title that can be given, not only in this present age, but also in the one to come. And God placed all things under his feet and appointed him to be head over everything for the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills everything in, anywhere, in every way. When Jesus' body rises up out of death, it's just the beginning. It's just the beginning of a great journey upwards. He rises out of the tomb. He rises into the heavenly realms. He rises far above all rule and authority, far above every power and dominion. Just think of a really powerful power, far above that. 
above every name. He has a status higher than anything else. All things fall at his feet. He is head over everything, and not just at a particular point in time, but across all time. You know, we often start the resurrection accounts, don't we? Along with the disciples there at the first Easter. He's not here. He's risen. And that's fine. That little personal perspective in one place just outside Jerusalem. But really the big picture of the resurrection is a cosmic picture. I was once, um, very, very briefly, in the same corridor as the future king of England. And uh, he asked me for directions. And it was a very, very big moment for me. And I gave him directions. And it was a very, very small moment for him. And he probably forgot it a couple of moments afterwards. But I can remember it. He probably didn't even notice it was happening at the very time it was happening. He was headed for far far higher moments. And so it is with the resurrection. Even those glimpses of the empty tomb, which seem like a pretty big moment, are just a tiny little event in this cosmic, cosmic change that is happening. So I wonder, when you think about the resurrection, do you see it in those cosmic proportions? Do you see Jesus reigning? Reigning over All your life, everything, your times, your opportunities, your failings, your relationships, your past, your future, your superiors, those who depend on you, over all things. It's a cosmic thing, the resurrection. So there's a cosmic picture. But it is also a personal thing, the resurrection. You know, when we we come with those first disciples, and I love to do it. I love the church calendar. I love the way that we have to go around the resurrection every year because we get to stand there next to them as they look into that tomb. It is a very personal thing that happens. And we can engage with the resurrection personally. And that's what Paul invites the Ephesians to do here in this letter. He says, For this reason, ever since I heard about your faith in the Lord Jesus and your love for all God's people, I have not stopped giving thanks for you, remembering you in my prayers. And then he tells us what he's been praying. He says, I keep asking that the God of our Lord Jesus Christ, the glorious Father, may give you the spirit of wisdom and revelation. He's he's praying, look, he wants his guys to know something. And what is it? So that you may know him better. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Let me just stick very briefly on those three words, hope, first of all, hope. Paul says, you need to know the hope of the resurrection. Now, what is it it not? Hope is not optimism. Christian hope is not an aspiration albeit an insecure one, that things will hopefully turn out better. It's not like that. Christian hope is a confident expectation of something that is going to happen in the future, it just hasn't happened yet. And Paul wants the Ephesians, wants us, to know our hope. Now, this is not about knowing how to sort of muster up a hopeful disposition. This is actually knowing what you're hoping for. He wants us to know what it is that we're hoping for, know what it is we're looking forward to. Eternal life. Eternal life, a spiritual life, beginning now and continuing into eternity. 
a new relationship with God. All our sin washed away forever by grace. Assurance of sins completely forgiven because of Christ. Let me ask you, do you have that future focus in your life? Can you see down the kind of tunnel of your existence with all the uncertainties that you don't know you're going to face, the hope right at the end? Hope. Second, inheritance. Paul says um, he wants these Ephesians to know the riches of God's glorious inheritance in his holy people. Sometimes at this evening service, we have a time for a bit of chat. And uh, I invite everyone to sort of relax and turn to each other and ask a kind of low-level, not very kind of intrusive question. Uh, And um, I was thinking about whether we could, you know, share with one another what we were thinking of doing with our inheritance or something like that. And then I thought about it for a very short period of time. And then I thought that might be slightly nuclear in our um, uh, British culture. But inheritance is still a big deal, right? We can all connect with it. Back in the ancient Near East, um, it had huge significance. There wasn't a great deal of social mobility, right? So basically what your inheritance was going to be was going to decide what your your outcomes in life were going to be. And inheritance was obviously very closely connected with sonship, who your parents were. Well, we are heirs of Christ. Now, This idea has lots and lots of different nuances to it, but let me see if I can just bring out a few. It's like this. Imagine we're tied by a very, very long elastic string to Jesus. So wherever he goes, we go after him. Perhaps not immediately, but wherever he goes, eventually we go there. He goes into the tomb, we'll eventually go there. He goes out of the tomb. We will eventually go there. He goes to the heavenlies. We're not there yet, but one day we will be there. We inherit the kingdom of God. Every good thing that comes from being under God's rule. We haven't got it right now. We haven't got all of it, certainly. But one day we will inherit all of it. The thing about an inheritance is it it, it captures so nicely this Christian experience. The essence of an inheritance is that you, you have it, but you don't have it. Right? You know it's coming, and that helps. You know, you've got to pay off the second half of that mortgage at some stage, and you know, it's going to help out. But you haven't got it yet. And that's what it's like to be a Christian. We're waiting for something wonderful. We don't have it yet, but we have the security of that expectation. So let me ask you this. Do you have that? Do you have that sense of, Security, that thing that you, you know it's going to be good. It's going to be all right because the Lord Jesus will deliver for you, will come through for you. Do you have that sense of security? And finally, so that's inheritance. Um, we've had hope, inheritance, and finally power. He talks about here his incomparably great power for us who believe. What Paul says is, look, you know that power that God worked in Jesus to raise him from the dead? Well, that power is at work in you Ephesian Christians. The same power 
is at work in the church and in the church today. Now, the thing is, we don't see exactly the same thing, do we? We Perhaps some here, we've prayed for people who've been unwell and they haven't been healed. Perhaps you've prayed for people they have been unwell and they've sadly died and they haven't resurrected. What does he mean by this power being at work in our lives? Well, we don't see the full inner workings of this power. But we do see changed lives. We do see transformation. I've seen people's hearts changed. Things that they loved so much before that were not good for them, that were not good for the world around them, no longer love them and love other things which were good. I've seen people's lives change in direction. One moment they wanted to go that way, and then the Lord grabbed them, and all of a sudden they want to go in another direction. I've seen people make extraordinary sacrifices that, humanly speaking, didn't make sense unless they knew the Lord Jesus and knew it was worthwhile. There is a power that can change our lives. Now, we can fake it, um, and we can make a mess of church as a result of that, but just because some people fake it and make a mess of it doesn't mean it doesn't exist. And I want to encourage you to look, search for the power and pray for the power of God to change your life and indeed the life of our whole church. We look for the power, that same power. And of course, we get a little bit of it now. We get all of it in eternity when our minds and bodies will be uh, fully transformed. So those are the things Paul prays that the Ephesians would know. He prays that they would know hope inheritance and power. Just one last thing I'd love to share with you. Paul prays that they would know this. Now, I don't know what your experience of church is, but sometimes it can feel a bit sort of um, just wordy and sort of thinky, and we just all get in a room and someone says some stuff, and then we all think about it, and then we go out and carry on what we're doing. And that can feel a little bit dissatisfying and a little bit sort of middle-classy. Um. Is that all he's about? You know, just, should we just have some, have some more thoughts that we can all sort of sit there and think, isn't that a nice thought? No, I think there's, there's, there's something bigger behind this. Paul wants these guys to know because that knowledge is going to change their life. And he prays about that knowledge. And it's because it's not a kind of technical knowledge. It's not like if you had a notebook and you wrote down what I said from today and imagining that it was entirely accurate and helpful. And if you just sort of, own that, then everything's fine. There is a spiritual knowledge here. These things can be known spiritually. The eyes of our hearts, he says, need to be enlightened. There is a way of knowing about the resurrection that changes how we see things. Let me try and illustrate that. Let's think about which part of your future you're focused on. Is it tomorrow? Is it next year? Is it your next decade? Are you focused on a couple of decades down the line? Or is it eternity? What about the sacrifices that you make? How much of your present comfort, how much of my present comfort am I prepared to sacrifice because I know my eternal comfort? 
what about my priorities? How do my temporal priorities, things that I really need to do right now, compete with my eternal priorities from God? There's a great challenge that comes in knowing. But there's also a comfort. You know, when things go south and when life is just going pretty badly and looks like it's going to be going badly for quite a long time, we need to know deeply where we're going. We need to know, can you, can you see definitely through all the mess that you're going through? Can you definitely see the good ending beyond them? Or perhaps we feel condemned by our mistakes and we've made mistakes again and again and again. We've made a mess of life again and again and again. And they just seem to keep coming. Can we still see the welcome of our Father in eternity? Well, we could ask so many more questions, but I want to encourage you to look for spiritually that comfort that's to be found in the resurrection. I pray that the eyes of your heart may be enlightened in order that you may know the hope to which he's called you, the riches of his glorious inheritance in his holy people and his incomparably great power for us who believe. Amen. Thanks for listening to the Emmanuel Croydon podcast. For more information about our church and everything we have going on, visit our website, emmanuelcroydon.org.uk. You can also follow us on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram to see and hear what's going on in the life of our church. God bless you and have a wonderful week. Thank you.